Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. May of 1868, May the 5th to be exact, it's uh, about three years after the end of the American Civil War. And America's in a turmoil, and they, um, they're just beginning to understand the implications of the American Civil War, the genocide that it was, and the number of people that lost their lives. Uh, in that war, 750,000 Americans were killed, American soldiers. And in today's numbers, that would equal just about 8 million Americans. It was devastating. So General John Logan, who was a commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, which is what the American Army was called at the time, issued General Order Number 11. It was a proclamation that we would all go out, all Americans would go out to the graves of those soldiers that lost their lives in the war and decorate those graves. And he said, because in every city and every hamlet and every churchyard cemetery, the dead are lying and they need to be remembered so that we don't repeat this, this genocide. So never again would this happen to the American people. And that was the birth of Memorial Day. Uh, and the first Memorial Day was decreed to be on May 30th. And it remained on May 30th until the late 1950s. Congress passed an act sort of standardizing the holidays, and it was moved to the last Monday in May, which gives us all three-day weekend, right? But the point was to remember, because remembering is important. One time years ago... Uh, Uh, Betty and I and her parents were on a vacation, summer vacation. We were in South Dakota, and we were at this campground, and uh, it had a swimming pool. So Betty's dad and I and uh, our two kids that were a little older, they were six and seven, the other one was a newborn, um, we walked up to go swimming. So we're walking up to go swimming, and here's this pool, and it's got this big fence around it and the door, and the door's open. I watch our son, and he's excited. He's stoked. So he runs ahead through the door, and here's this water slide. You know, you go up the ladder, and and he's scooting up the ladder, and I'm watching this as we're behind him, and I'm thinking, hmm, I'm thinking about getting my shoes off, and because Aaron forgot something. He forgot he doesn't know how to swim. And so he's up there on the top of the slide, and he jumps down, and he starts down, and about halfway down, he remembers. There's a look of horror on his face. I'm ready to jump in and bail him out. But sure enough, he came up and he dog paddled kind of over the side of the pool and it worked out all right. But remembering things is important and it's important to, to all of us. I hope I'm out of the doghouse on this end, yeah. Um, when you think about our walk with the Lord, when you think about Scripture and the body of Scripture we have, When you look at that scripture, what you see over and over and over and over again is that God wants us to remember. He wants us to remember who he is and who we are. And he really does that in both the the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He really does that in about four ways. 
One way is he gives us symbols. One way is he gives us writings. One way is he gives us demonstrations. And lastly, he gives us promises. So when you look at the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, in symbols, in Exodus 25, verse 10, what you see is the building of an ark. Now, we all know, because we've read the Scripture, the Ark of the Covenant, the power that it had, how it blessed the house of Obed-Edom, uh, how those who touched it that weren't supposed to touch it were gone. And that is a symbol of the presence of God. We can see in Numbers where God instructs and he says, I want my people to tie blue threads, tassels, on the corners of their clothing so that they would remember my commands, that they would not forget them. In Joshua, the Israelites are getting ready to go in and possess the promised land. And you remember God stopped the water in the River Jordan. And the priests stood there and they crossed over on dry land. On dry land. And God said, I want you to take stones and build an altar of remembrance for what I did for you today. Because we all sometimes have trouble remembering what God has done for us. These people lived 40 years in the desert. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothing never wore out. They had food. They overcame their enemies. They did all of those things. No, they didn't. God did all of those things. And they don't remember. So... God uses those kinds of symbols to help us remember. He also uses writings. Who can forget Charlton Heston with the stone tablets, right? Coming down off the mountain. Uh, he wrote those commandments in stone, not in papyrus or vellum or, or anything else like that. In Exodus 24-7, we read about the Book of the Covenant. And it says... This is something Moses is doing. It says, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do and be obedient. Now, this is in the middle of something that's going on, which is a demonstration. So if you look at the 24th chapter of Exodus just for a moment, as you always say, turn in your Bibles to the 24th chapter of Exodus, you see a really dramatic scene in verses 4 through 8. And it says this, um, starting really in verse 6. It says, And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. The altar there in that verse, that symbolizes the presence of God. And in this translation, it doesn't say he sprinkled it. It says he threw it. And then he read the book of agreement, the book of the covenant, and the people said what I told you a moment ago, and then he threw the blood on the people. Can you imagine that scene? Here's this altar of blood. Here's all these people with splatters of blood all over him. Would you remember that if it happened to you? Man, I'd remember it for sure. God wants us to remember the promise, the covenant of our relationship with him. 
So he did it in a very dramatic demonstration. And when you get out to Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30, Deuteronomy is the second law, literally that's what it means, and you you get to meet the God of the second chance. Because in Deuteronomy, God gives the commandments again on stone tablets. God looks past the golden calf. God looks past disbelief, non-belief, unbelief. God looks past rebellion, all of that, and he gives a second chance, and he gives a second law. And with that, by the time you get to the 30th chapter, we're into the promises. And he says this, Deuteronomy uh, 30, 1 through 10. And when these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and all your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today, with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy upon you. And he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. And it goes down a little farther, and, and he says this, And he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. There's a promise. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your hearts and all your soul, that you may live. A promise. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And the Lord, at the end of verse 9, will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers. So we have a promise. But we do see a mention of a curse, okay? And uh, I don't know that we'd put this up on the screen. It takes several screens. But if you go to Deuteronomy 28 and you look at verses 15 to 68, it starts like this. It says... But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground, and the increase of your herds and the young of your flock, and it goes downhill from there. It's something that you would remember. For sure. So in the Old Covenant, we see symbols, we see writings, we see demonstrations, and we see promises. And it's the same in the New Covenant as well. See how many? That's a big bunch of verses, you know? In the New Covenant is the covenant of reconciliation, and there, again, we see some symbols. for example, uh, a negative symbol is the fig tree. Remember the fig tree that was cursed because it wasn't fruitful? That was kind of, wasn't that kind of a weird thing? I mean, boom, that was it. Probably the most important symbol that we would see as a symbol in the New Covenant is the cross. It's the cross. You know, at the time, the cross was a despised and disgusting object. It was an object of fear. It was an object of terror. It was a symbol of punishment and degradation and disregard. And yet God turned that into a symbol of hope, a symbol of promise, a symbol of eternity, 
a guarantee of his love for us. That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind we have. We also got writings. We have the canon that today we call the Bible. There we have the Gospels, the story of Jesus, his ministry, his purpose. The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, change your thinking. It's here, it's arrived. That's the good news. We have the book of Acts, which is the history of what the early church did. How did the body of Christ first form itself? What did they do? What did they learn? That we might remember that, that we can go back to that and discover or rediscover the plumb line of our relationship with the Lord. We have the epistles, the letters to individuals, the letters to churches that tell us how we should live, how we should interact with each other, how we should honor the Lord. And we have the promises. We have the promises that we're new men. The work of the cross finished everything. It is finished. It didn't mean Jesus was going to die. It meant he came and fulfilled what he was to fulfill. And we're free from death. We don't have to worry about death. We don't have to fear death. It is finished. And as we walk each day, we're a new person. That old person, whoever that was, is in the grave. It was not resurrected when Jesus was resurrected. And when he was resurrected, we were resurrected. Yeah, we're new people. We're new people. So we have this writing that God uses to help us remember. And then there's the demonstration, the dramatic scene. Once again, we have an altar. His name is Jesus. He's the presence of God. He's God incarnate, God made man. And he's about to be murdered. He's about to be beaten. And he's about to be killed on one of those crosses. But in between the time that he arrived incarnate and that, what did he do? He came. He taught. He did signs and wonders. He showed us who the Father was that we would know who we are because we're created in his image and likeness. And then we killed him. And when we humans killed him, we had the blood back on us again, didn't we? We had the blood back on us, on our hands. But the second demonstration came, and that is he didn't stay dead, did he? He came back. He came back triumphant. He came back with victory over death, victory over hell. And he won that victory for us. And we need to remember that. Because the enemy doesn't want us to remember that. He doesn't want us to think about that. We have a promise from God. If you look at Revelations 12, 11, it, uh, it reads this way in the... Uh, ESV, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even under death. We can be victorious, and we can be conquerors, and we can overcome everything when we love not our lives even unto death, but we give it all to Jesus. That's all we have to do. We give it all to Jesus. Those 50 verses of curses, we could never avoid those. You realize that. There's, there's no way. We could not comply with the law. We needed a sacrifice. 
And Jesus was the sacrifice whose blood on us, just like that cross, turned from an object of despair and, and, and negativeness to an object of life. And we stand under the blood of Jesus now. And the Father sees us under the blood of Jesus, and we're reconciled to Him because of that. Because God had that plan from the beginning to make it all work for us. He did. He had it all along. Every person sitting here, you were foreknown. And you were predestined. And you're called. He knew your name before the foundation of the world. That's right. Before you were in your mother's womb. He knew your name. And that's the promise that we have. That we are overcomers. We know that there are people in our lives around us, and Mike's going to talk about this in a moment, there, there are people in our lives around us that have been taken out. There are those who have received the good news and seen the acts and read the epistles and heard the promises. And yet, like the parable of the sower, for some of those, that seed fell on hard ground. For some... That seed fell where the roots were shallow and it withered. And for some, that seed fell in a place where the fruit that came up was overcome by the weeds of the world. We all know some like that. And now Mike's going to come and talk about that because we're going to remember those people today. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Bob. Oh, thanks. I like my shirt, too. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. It's very comfortable. I can tuck it in nicely. All right. That's a weird way to start. Okay. <laughs> All right, real quick. So as we, um, as we talk about Memorial Day and honor, honor those that have fallen in service to our country, in these very real conflicts. Um, We, as believers, as kingdom people, also know there's another reality, right? There's a reality that Paul talks about in Ephesians when he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Then it goes on to talk about the armor of God, and it ends with praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Okay, so what struck me there, the very end, he's talking about this conflict that we're in, right? It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against rulers of this world, but it's against principalities. It's against darkness. It's against evil. And then he ends with two things that stuck out to me on this weekend. I feel the Father, what, what he's doing, what heaven's doing, is being watchful for all the saints. Okay, so Memorial Day, we memorialize those that have fallen, those that are, are gone. We have an opportunity, and probably an obligation, to be watchful for all the saints. And this Memorial Day, I believe the Father is saying, what about the ones that have fallen? 
They may not physically be dead. Their heart is still beating, but they've fallen. The enemy has taken them out. They've fallen from the faith. They've walked away. They've left. The enemy's taken them out. What about those? What do we do with those? Soldiers, Marines have, have a code, you know, leave no man behind. Okay, what about those that have fallen away? So in Luke, Jesus talks about a couple of parables here. Luke 15, 4, he says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So two things that struck out, struck me, stuck out to me in these verses. With the sheep, it says, what man, what man of you having a hundred sheep? So he has a hundred sheep. It's not that he has 99 and tries to go find one more to add to his flock. He had them. He had a hundred and one wandered. The woman in the house had 10 coins and, and one was lost. And she searched and searched and searched until she found it. So these were things that were had, that once were, that turned into not any longer. They were lost. Okay, so what I believe, what I believe heaven's up to today, what I believe the Father wants to do today, is intercede for those who, who've fallen away. And I think we all know, probably, we all know one or more people in our heart, if we can think back to when we were young, even recently, that once were but have since been taken out, taken out by the enemy, or they've walked away, or they've said, man, this isn't for me. I'm glad you, my buddy, one of my best friends, I've known him since seventh grade. I talked to him about the Lord, and he says, that's great. I'm glad you have something to do on a Sunday. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, so what I'd like to do today, ushers have um, a little slip of paper. So we're going to have an opportunity here for a ministry moment, if you guys can hand those out. What I'd like for you guys to do is think. Think of that name. Think of that person. Okay? What I'd like for you to do is write it on that slip of paper. Okay, then what I'd like for you to do, write that name and take it over to that cross. Because we're never going to convince that person back into the kingdom, right? Who here came to the Lord because you heard a good argument or you were convinced somehow, right? It doesn't work. We can't do it. It's the cross. It's where the Son of Man came on this earth and the King of Glory was crucified. It's in that place that hearts are turned. So what I'd like, what I think would be great, write that name or names. It can be a name. It can be initials. It can be whatever you want. Write it on there. 
lay it at the foot of the cross. Okay, and then we're not, we're not done there. Then what we'll do, those of you who either had one and laid one or don't have one, go pick one up. Okay, and it's not that we're removing it. It's not that we're taking this burden back up. You know, it's still on the Lord to do. But we're going to the cross to find out what heaven's doing. We're going to the cross to find that name, to partner with heaven, to partner with Jesus, to take that name and intercede. Can we do some warfare for the person on that card? Can we intercede for that person? Can we do that? Can we do that for about four weeks? You can do anything for four weeks, right? Can we do that in our prayer time? Have that slip of paper in your Bible, have it in your mind, and go before the Lord with it. While you're doing that, let me share a testimony because I believe there's power and faith builds in testimonies. Uh, my dad, I love my dad. My dad loves the Lord. It's beautiful. But when I was probably um, six or seven or so, my dad walked away from the Lord. He was, he was raised in a, an amazing Christian home. My grandmother and granddad loved the Lord. They were humble, beautiful, loving people, loved the Lord. My dad grows up. And realizes, hey, I'm glad you guys have something to do on a Sunday, but this thing isn't for me. So he walked away. He walked away. He, you know, he's like, Michael, I'm glad you're going to church with your mom. It's not for me. I don't want to hear about it. I'm just not walking with the Lord. So my dad, my dad drove a bus, a city bus, for about 30, 30, almost 35 years and retired. And there's one night my dad shares the story that he's driving down Smith Road and about Havana in North Aurora, the bus. And it was probably 11.30 at night, and there's nobody on his bus. And he's driving just, I don't know what you do, but you're just driving a bus, right? And he said, suddenly, the Lord encountered him with audible speech saying, Chuck, I'm going to reveal my love to you. So my dad describes it like a faucet, like when you turn on a faucet. You turn on a faucet, and if you have any of those like high-flow faucets, you just dump water out. My dad said it was just like turning on, and just this love, this love washing over him. And he's driving, right? He's driving this bus, and like just getting what we say wrecked now. He's just getting oh undone by the love of the Father, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming, and there's more of it, and more of it, and then, like that, it shuts off, and my dad's just left, like, oh my God, and then the Lord said to him, if you're going to walk away, know what you're walking away from, this is my love for you, so from that day forward, he's walked with the Lord, every day. And when my dad talks about it, he says, I know for a fact it was because of the prayers of my mom, because my mother just relentlessly prayed for me to come back to the Lord. She relentlessly prayed for her son who was lost to come back. And we know that the the father, the Lord is faithful and true, right? To answer those prayers. So church, let's, let's not stand by while people are lost. Let's not stand by while those that have walked away, that the enemy has taken out, those that have fallen, there's still breath in their lungs. There's still a, a, a pulse in their chest. 
Can we do intercession? Can we do that? Can we war for them? Can we stand in that gap for them and pray for them? So if you have a name that you've written down, would you, can we put it over there under the cross? Can we do that? Father, for your heart for the lost, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, and before you all sit completely down, (laughs) find a piece of paper that you didn't put there and pick it up. So we're laying these names down at the foot of the cross. We're giving them to you, Jesus. We're giving them to you, Father. And as we pick a name back up, we're not taking it out from under the cross. Instead, we're going to the cross to partner with the cross, to partner with heaven, to partner with the King of glory, to intercede for that person, to partner with heaven, to intercede for that person. So as we worship for a moment, as you find that name, let's hold that name. And you know, a cool thing about worship, oh man, isn't worship amazing? Worship is, oh God, you're amazing, so beautiful. And worship is the Father saying, son, you're my son, I love you. And worship can be singing truths to heaven. And worship can be singing truths over a region, over a person, over a congregation. So as we sing this next song, I just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. Can we sing that over over the person on that paper? Sing that over them. That that, 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 I just want to be where you are, Jesus, would be sung over that person. That heart cry, that heart like, oh, God, I just want to be near your heart. You know that? You know that? Like, can we sing that over, over that paper, over that name on that paper?
especially for the lost, God. In your parables and everything you did, Jesus, was about people. It was about people, bringing people to your heart, into your kingdom. So God, let our hearts burn where your heart burns, Lord. Let us, not, let us no longer be okay with people that have walked away. Let us no longer be just kind of bummed about it of people that aren't in your kingdom. God, let our hearts break for them. Father, show us where heaven's moving, where the Spirit, where your Spirit, Holy Spirit, where you're moving with them, Father. Increase, God, increase our our ability to hear, to hear, Father, to know what to pray, to know what to pray over them, to know how to be for words of knowledge, a word from heaven, God, that would just pierce that very place, a word from heaven, Lord. God, let these increase, Father. Let the prophetic increase, Lord. The ability to hear, Lord. Make our hearts like yours, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we get to partner with heaven. Ah, man, we get to partner with heaven. And that's not just metaphor. That's not a metaphor. We really get to partner with heaven, with what heaven is doing. So this isn't just a nice, eh, okay, I'll pray for this person. No, we are partnering with the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that is immovable and unshakable. It's immovable. It is unshakable. And we're partnering with the kingdom of heaven, with the power of the living God. It's no joke.
Lord, I pray for each person. I pray for each name that was written down today. And I pray for each person praying for that name, Lord, that they would know what to pray, that words would be released, God, and that ground would be reclaimed for your kingdom and the enemy would not have victory over any life, over any life, over any name that's written on that paper. Let hearts be softened, God. Lord, let hearts be softened and turned back to you. Father, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them just like you did with my dad. God, you turned that faucet open of your love until it was unbearable, until it was unbearable, until he was undone. Lord, I pray that for every person, God. That you'd reveal your true nature, Father that lies about you would crumble, that lies about your goodness would crumble, lies about your identity would crumble in the face of who you are, Jesus, in your goodness, in your glory, in your majesty, in your holiness, that the reality, the truth of who you are would just break through, God, that the lost would no longer be lost, that the prodigal would be running home, Jesus, All for your glory, Father. All for your glory, Jesus. You are the immovable God. You're the unshakable God. You're the God who holds all authority and all power. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Papa. So it'd be really great to hear. You know, if we can do this for four weeks, can we do that? Can we do this for four weeks? Just like intercede, like go to town on this thing, partner with the Lord, partner with heaven for the name on that piece of paper. Can we commit to that for four weeks? Can we do that? At the end of that four weeks, oh God, let there be a line of testimonies here. Please, Father, let there be a line of testimonies for people that have come back and how you've moved powerfully. At the end of this, God, let there be a line of people, Lord, that are lining up to proclaim your goodness, Father, that I was once lost, but now I'm found. So in four weeks, be at church. (laughs) Right. Yeah. All right, guys, let's stand up. Thanks for coming to church today. I love you guys. Ministry team, if you want to come on down, if you need prayer, if you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, these are some amazing people that can pray over you. There's going to be some words up on the screen for specific things. If you're experiencing any of these things, come down. Also, let me just say, if you're not experiencing any of those things, but you do have something, don't feel like you can't come down. 
That was a silly thing. I found, like, I found about a month ago, like, oh, my foot's hurting. But, oh, look, there's ankle trouble. Okay, I didn't see that. But it wasn't up there before. And, like, well, I guess I won't go. So this is just some things that, that may be. But other things you're feeling, please come down if you'd like a touch from heaven. Somebody to pray for you. All right? Guys, have a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. We love you. We're so glad you're here. Hug a neck on your way out. Hang out. Be with your family. And be blessed. We love you guys. See you next week.